Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. We're making our way through this book of 1 Corinthians. As the Apostle Paul gave this to the church at Corinth, and God in His wisdom and His oversight has preserved this uh, letter to this church, and for our learning, for our understanding, that we might uh, be able to apply what is here to our lives. And as we come to chapter 10 in our study of 1 Corinthians, we're uh, coming to the closing remarks uh, concerning the question about Christian liberty. And uh, we, uh, it's been a little while since we were there in, uh, in chapter 8, but in uh, verse number 15, the apostle states that he is speaking to the church uh, here in this chapter as if they were wise. And I want to read a few verses here this evening uh, to kind of get us started in, into this chapter. It's 33 verses. We're going to read down uh, through verse number 15 to get started. As the Scripture says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. We're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Did all eat the same spiritual meat? And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. And in verse 15, he says, I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. He says, I speak as to wise men. A little bit of a phrase here in verse number 15. He's saying that uh, if you were wise, 
or I'm speaking to you as if you are wise. He is making an assumption here, and he is going to speak to them as if they are full of wisdom. Now, they may or may not have been, but he says, I'm going to speak to you as if you are wise, and I speak as to wise men. And then he says, judge ye what I say. And so that's, again, another way of saying if you were wise, you would listen. But not just listen, but he also says to judge. Now, to judge simply means uh, to uh, form an opinion. Uh, a lot of times we, we go through, and obviously we know different words have different meanings. Uh, sometimes the same word will have different meanings. Because uh, we know Scripture uh, talks about judging and judge not. But here he says, judge ye what I say. Now in this meaning, uh, what he's talking about is to bring to issue the reasonings or deliberations of the mind. He says, I want you to think about and consider what I have said and what I'm going to say. It goes on to mean uh, that it means to hear or to discern uh, or determine or distinguish or consider accurately for the purpose of forming an opinion or a conclusion. He says, I'm going to speak to you as if you were wise men. I'm speaking to you as if you were wise so that you can draw a conclusion about these matters. And here in this chapter, we're going to seek uh, uh, to form a conclusion uh, as Paul uh, finishes this question on the matter of using uh, liberty in the Christian life. Uh, What liberty is there? How did it work when Israel did it? And uh, so we'll see an example, we'll see an explanation, and then we'll see the apostles' exhortation uh, as we go through this particular chapter this evening. But let's pray together, and we'll jump right into the very first point here tonight. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you once again. Uh, God, you have uh, been ever so good to us in, in preserving your word in helping us to uh, grow in your nurturing and in your admonition uh, within our lives. And Father, I pray as we consider uh, these words of the Apostle that you have recorded for us, that we would uh, be as wise men, that we would judge and discern and draw a conclusion concerning this matter of Christian liberty, and that we would not abuse it Uh, as those who have gone before us, but Father, uh, that we would take it seriously uh, within your eyes, within your uh, direction, uh, that we might apply this liberty to our lives uh, to bring for a desire to bring to you uh, honor and glory, uh, that that is our desire, that our lives would do that. And God, I pray that this message would be helpful uh, in uh, bringing us to that place that you might receive the honor and the glory for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to jump in right here in the very first uh, few verses here as we just read, but I want you to see the examples of Israel's abuse of liberty. Now, Paul starts off in these first few verses here talking about Israel, and he's talking about uh, how he doesn't want uh, this church to be ignorant of what has taken place in the past. And he goes through in verse number one as he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. He says, You need to understand and know what has happened. He said, How that our fathers 
were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, you'll take note here in these first four verses the number of times that Paul says the word all. Notice this. He says it in uh, verse number one uh, two times as he says that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. In verse two, he says it again that they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse 3, they did all eat the same spiritual meat. Verse 4, they did all drink the same spiritual drink. Then he reveals to us that they, as they drank of that spiritual rock, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But here is what he's getting at here, is that they all had the exact same resources. They all had the exact same resources to pull from, to draw from. They all had the same experiences, the same resources, and they all had the same thing. But they did not all react to those resources and to what they had available to them in the same manner and in the same way. And what we'll see here is that as they had everything the same, the same drink, the same meat, the, the same Christ. All of them were baptized. All of them saw what God was doing in the wilderness, but they did not all uh, go through this. And I want you to notice not just the resources of liberty, but I want you to notice their rebellion in liberty. Because here they had everything at their disposal. And you have to, uh, I'm relying on your knowledge here, uh, on a Sunday evening of knowing uh, what was taking place within Israel during the wilderness. Again, they all experienced the exact same thing. They had all of these resources at their disposal, and yet we still find, as God was moving and working in their midst, providing for them every step along the way, they still found a way to rebel against what God was doing. And so notice their rebellion in liberty. Now, it wasn't all of them that rebelled, but it was some of them. And it says in verse number 5 that with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about faith. One of the things that I want you to take note of, as you hopefully you've already picked up on in Hebrews chapter 11, what does it take to please God? Faith, right? For without faith, we cannot please God. And so here we have these people that God was not well pleased with, and so there was certainly a certain amount of lack of faith in their lives along with their rebellion. Because with many of them, God was not pleased. And again, they were overthrown in the wilderness. They found a, a, a way to uh, rebel against what God was doing and what God was providing for them. And it says in verse number 6 that these things were our examples. God has recorded for us, and even for this church here at Corinth, these examples, and he gives us this to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so we see not just within this 
within their rebellion, but there is a rebuke to their rebellion. It was not a rebellion that God just stopped and said, well, okay, I see, they're rebelling, oh well. No, 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 no. Now, as Paul is giving some admonishment here, I want you to notice uh, that there is a rebuke to their rebellion. As Paul is giving his admonishment, he's giving the rebuke. He says, Neither be ye idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed. And notice, he says, They fell one in one day three and twenty thousand. God rebuked 23,000 people in one day because of their rebellion, because of their fornication. In verse number 9, he says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. So here we find, and this is, this is interesting to me as well, that within this example of Israel's abuse of liberty, he uses these examples. Now, within this example, we have idolatry. Pretty bad. We're going to compare the, the different sins here uh, just for a moment. Idolatry, I would put that in a pretty bad category. Uh, fornication, I would put that in a pretty bad category as well. Tempting Christ, wow, I mean, my goodness. But then within this same categories, he says, neither, he says, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. Now, this is one of those that I, I would say, uh, you know, that would be better off not be in there. If we're just talking about me, you know what I mean? I, I think one of the reasons that's in here is because we are, we may not be prone to idolatry. We may not be prone to fornication. We may not be prone to tempting Christ to saying that, hey, we've gotten past that. But when it comes to the murmuring aspect, can I just remind you how uh, important that is to God? Now again, can I say, can I just be uh, the first to raise my hand and say, you know, I've murmured. I've done it. I've murmured. I've griped. I've complained. It's easy to do. He says, let's not do that. And so while we see this example of Israel's abuse of liberty, we see, number two, the explanation of our admonition or our admonishment in using liberty. Now again, these examples are recorded for us to learn from. For us to learn from. And the idea of admonishing, it says in verse number 11, just so you can see there, he says, now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And uh, then he goes on and says, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. But the idea of admonishing simply means uh, to warn or notify of a fault to warn or notify of a fault. But then it also goes on to say, uh, to reprove with mildness. And so what Paul is getting at here as he is admonishing them, and he's saying, look, these are the things that were taking place in Israel as they rebelled. And he goes through in verse number one, and you can see this is really a, a mild correction of this church at Corinth. 
Because he starts off by saying, look, I just don't want you to be ignorant here. These all had the same experiences, the same messages, the same food, the same water, the same resources, and yet they rebelled. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. And within this reproof is very mild, but then he also, within this idea of admonishing, means to counsel against wrong practices. And, and really, the uh, most of the book of 1 Corinthians in this letter that Paul is giving, much of the book is an admonishment. He's admonishing them and trying to warn them and counsel them against uh, wrong practices and cautioning them and advising them on what it is that they should be doing. Uh, the third definition of uh, admonish means to instruct or direct. Now, in this particular instance, in this particular admonishment here, he's saying, look, here is a group of people that did not do things the right way. They rebelled against the liberty that they had once they got outside of Egypt and they started to do what they thought was right in their own eyes and they began to do these things. And he's saying, now don't do that. And so he's admonishing them and instructing them by someone else's example. Now, I, I, I was mentioning to my Sunday school class this morning, I, uh, when I was growing up, I have uh, one sister. She's two years, uh, two years and one month older than I am. And I, I was explaining to my Sunday school class this morning that uh, there were many things that I learned to not do because my sister did them before me. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, she would do something, or she would say something, or she would have this attitude, and, and, and my parents would then, uh, you know, come down on her, and, and I would look at that, and I would say, I don't want that to happen to me, so I'm going to avoid doing what she's doing. I'm going to avoid and not do what she has just done. I'm never going to say that to my dad in that manner, because I saw what happened. I learned some of those things. Now, as a uh, 13, 14-year-old teenager, some of those other things that I learned was uh, how to get away with. I mean, you know what I'm talking about there. Uh, you learn from those olders and say, well, uh, she just didn't do it right. Uh, you know, her problem was she got caught. Uh, and I wish I was slick enough to always get away with what I was trying to get away with, but of course I wasn't. And so I made my own mistakes, I made my own uh, issues, but there were many things that I was able to escape in life, really, because my sister had made those mistakes before me. And I really should thank her for that, because she taught me a lot, and she wasn't sitting down and saying, hey, let me teach you this. But she still taught me. And, and unfortunately, she taught me through wrong behavior, but then also some things she taught in right behavior. And so here, this is what Paul is dealing with here. He's saying, look, this behavior of Israel wasn't right. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so he's saying these examples are recorded for us to learn from. But then we also understand that these examples are recorded for us to be reminded of who God is. Can I just say, uh, Lynette, I thank you for that testimony. Sin here, here. In the book of 1 Corinthians, remains the same today. Amen? Remains the same. And, and, and we have, uh, it's not that we have an expiration date on sin. That's not how this works. 
That's not how sin works. That's not how God works. And so when we see how God reacted, again, we see how God reacted to idolatry. We see how God reacted uh, to fornication. We see how God reacted to tempting Christ. And we see how God reacted to murmuring. And it ought to cause us to say, I understand who God is. But alongside of that, in understanding who God is, we must also understand who we are. Because again, we are all prone to sinning. We're all prone to wandering away from God. We're all prone to this. This is why he says in verse number 12, he follows it up by saying, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. He says, as people, we have a tendency to become proud. We have a tendency to be puffed up with pride, to say, look at me, I've arrived, I'm spiritual. And he says, wait a second. He says, let him that thinketh he standeth. Take heed lest he fall. We're all capable. We're all there. And then he explains in verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. He says, look, you're not special in this area that uh, you're the only one that's ever faced this temptation. I think of Elijah in this particular instance. Remember Elijah when Jezebel ran him off and he went and hid and, and God asked him, doest thou well to be here, Elijah? And and he says, or what doest thou here, Elijah? And he says, well, I, I, I've gone away and I've done this, this, and this, and, and I've escaped and I'm the only one that hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. The only one. God finally told Elijah, he says, look. He said, I have 5,000 servants over here that haven't bowed the knee. Not the only one. And here in this, the same type of, uh, of thinking here is there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. We are all tempted with the same things. I love this phrase. I think it's one of the most wonderful phrases in Scripture. Right after that it says, God is faithful. Aren't you grateful for a faithful God? A faithful God. He says, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. He says, yes, I understand your standing, and I understand that there is temptation that's in front of you, but you don't have to fall. God has made a way to escape, because God is faithful. Again, it's not about us being able to escape that temptation. It's about trusting God. It's about knowing who He is, but also knowing about who we are. And Paul goes through this admonishment here. Now, within this example of Israel's abuse of liberty, and we have the explanation of our admonition of using our liberty, we come to this third part, which take, will take us through the end of the chapter here, as Paul begins the exhortation of our approach to liberty. And so he's admonishing by saying, hey, this is, let this be a warning. 
Let me warn you here that you don't make these same mistakes, but in the exhortation, he's going to give some instruction on how we are to use properly our liberty. How can we use the liberty without rebelling? And he goes in to verse number 16 by saying, The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh, are they not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What? Say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils, and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord. In the cup of devils, you cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. He's saying, look, we'll stop there just for a moment. He's saying, look, we, we, cannot, we cannot partake in both. We cannot come over here at one time because we have some liberty here and say, all right, here's what I'm going to take the communion and represent the Lord, and then I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do that and partake in that which has been sacrificed to a, uh, to a devil, to, uh, to the devils. He says, look, you can't do that. Why? Because, remember, we share the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Amen? And we share within this, and that's what he's getting into in verse 16 and 17, saying, look, we are one within this. And the difference lies, as he says, behold, in verse 18, behold, Israel after the flesh. The difference lies in what we're after. What are we after? Now, understand this, in the flesh, that means I want to, and my desire is for me to be pleased. I want to be pleased. Now look, I, I've, I've met a lot of people in my life, and I've found one thing in common with everyone I've ever met, and it is this. They all like to be pleased. Everyone wants to be pleased. That is why it is so easy to attempt to please the flesh. Because we all like to be pleased. We want to be pleased. And to be displeased does not please us. Well, the problem is, is that we are not to be going after the flesh, but rather after the Spirit. And our desire should not be to please ourselves, but rather to please God. Now, within this, this is part of the explanation as Paul is going into here, as he says, I'm telling you, you can't have fellowship with the devils and with the Lord. Look at verse 21. Or, or sorry, verse 22. He says, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now, of course, we know we're not. And hopefully we're not provoking the Lord to jealousy. But then look what he says in verse 23. 
says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Now here he says again, says it a little bit a different way here. He says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. It's a quite interesting statement here. Verse 25, he's going to reference back to what he was talking about in chapter 8. As he says, whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Okay, now this, now look, this is going to be, this is very deep stuff here as we're in chapter 10, okay? But it's also very real stuff. And what Paul just said was we're not to become, in our liberty, a meat market spy. Now he says, all things are lawful for me. I can do it. But understand something, he goes on to say, if we just stop there, we do no justice to the Scripture. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Meaning they're not well-to-do. It's not the best choice to make. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Not everything that I might be able to do is going to bring me forward in my relationship with Christ. It's not going to build me up, even though I may have liberty to do so. He says, concerning the meat, he says, you don't have to go to the shambles. That eat, he says, ask no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, he's saying, so if you're going to eat with non-believers and you feel okay to go and eat with non-believers, he said, for your own conscience sake, don't ask where the meat came from. Now, notice again, he says, for conscience sake. Because the problem comes in, once I know where the meat was, I may have an issue with it. Then I can't eat it. Because my own conscience is voided. And Paul is saying here, he's like, just don't ask. Eat. Be a testimony here. And you'll see this here in just a moment. He says, says don't ask. Ask no question for conscience sake but if any man say unto you this is offered in sacrifice unto idols said eat not for his sake that showed it and for the conscience sake for the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof do you realize what he's getting here he's he's getting to this point where it's not about pleasing me how many, how many meat eaters do we have here tonight? Like meat? I enjoy a good steak or a brisket or a pork chop or a chicken leg or 
uh, well, pretty much fits me to ask what I want. Uh, people ask, you know, they'll ask sometimes, they're like, what kind of pizza do you like? If it has meat on it, I'll eat it. If it has veggies on it, you can keep it. <laughs> I want meat, man. It's what I want. But have you noticed in our culture, in our society, we have a tendency to eat for pleasure, don't we? I mean, what did I just say? If it has veggies on it, you can keep it. I'll refrain, I'll fast. Because I don't want to eat veggies on my pizza. You can eat veggies on your pizza. You're perfectly fine to do that. I don't want to. I'll fast, okay? Why? Because we eat for pleasure. But here, Paul is saying, look, if you go in, you're eating with non-believers, don't ask where the meat came from, just eat it. But, if any man comes in and says, well, this meat was offered unto idols, he says, refrain. Refrain. So again, remember back in, verse, in chapter 8, you don't want to be a stumbling block. It's not about being a stumbling block. And so, again, we're not to be meat market spies. We're not to be kitchen inspectors. However, we are to refrain when somebody informs us. Why? Because all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. This is one of those expedient matters. I don't have to eat it. I can choose not to. Because once I know, once I know... I need to say no. If you'll continue here, he says in verse 29, he says, Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? He's saying, look, it's not necessarily for your liberty because all things are lawful. But they're not all expedient. You see, it's not about a lawful thing. It's not about I can because the fact of the matter is, you can. But it may come down to, maybe you shouldn't. Because again, you're going to be a stumbling block. In verse 30, he says, For if I by grace be a partaker. Ooh. If by grace I be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks. There's a quandary question, isn't there? He says, if I can, why, why can't I? He said, if I've given thanks for it, I ought to be able to. He says, whether therefore ye eat or drink, and notice this, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Again, this is not about my pleasure. It's about pleasing the Lord. It's not about what I want. It's about what does the Lord want. All things are lawful. There's not all expedient. All things are lawful. They just don't all edify. They don't all build. Here's the key in verse 32. It says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Hmm. said, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, 
but the profit of many. Why? Really? I can't seek my own profit? I can't seek what I want? I have to be thinking about the Jews and the Gentiles and the brethren? Really? Yeah. We ought to seek to please all men in pleasing the Lord here. Don't misunderstand this. He says, in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many. And here's the reason. And This summarizes this entire thing. This summarizes this entire mindset. Look at it. Verse 33. That they may be saved. Our role as believers is not to say, well, I have liberty. I'm doing this because I can. No, we use our liberty as an occasion that they may be saved. It's not about pleasing me. It's about pleasing God. It's about pleasing others. That they may be saved. That is what it's about. Our role as believers in Christ is to seek to lead others to a belief of faith in Christ. That's it. How do we do that? Well, it is through trying to make everyone conform to my way of thinking. Dinner's ready? All right. I could hear that. All right. That means we're in serious stuff right here. That's what this means. We're in the serious part of the message. How do we do that? How do we bring people to a place of belief in Christ? I just get them to conform my way of thinking. Well, of course not. So we ridicule and we bully them into our way of thinking. You better believe this or not. Or else. No, that's not right either. Again, Our desire is to please the Lord in all that we do. He says, again, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whether you don't, glorify God in all that you do. So our our desire is to please the Lord. It ought to be our goal and desire to please those around us before we please ourselves. You know what we call that? call that ministry. Somebody's going to tell you, we're going to win a whole lot more people to Jesus Christ when we put their needs ahead of our own. We have to have a ministry mindset, not a uh, me first mindset. Not a us first mindset. No, we need to know that they may be saved. They may be saved. That is the goal. That is the purpose. Hey, we have liberty. Understand what happens when we abuse it. He says, here's some examples of abuse of liberty. Israel did it. Look what happened. Didn't turn out great. He says, so let me admonish you on how to use your liberty. Let me admonish you. Let me give you these examples. Let me exhort you. Seek to please that they may be saved. 
That is our goal. That's why we exist. That they may be saved. If not, we would just get saved and God would take us to heaven. He has left us here for a purpose. That they may be saved. I hope you'll remember that. That they may be saved. He said, I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. Use your discernment here. That they may be saved. Be wise as we act. Be wise as we go through the day-to-day that they may be saved. Not everyone has your experience. Not everyone has my experience. We have different experiences in life, and we need to be, uh, I would say, sensitive to those things. We need to be sensitive to those things. Why? That we give none offense. Our goal is not to be offensive. It's to win that they may be saved. That's it. He said, I speak to wise men. Judge what I say. We'll have every head bowed, every eye closed this evening.